Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Give him two lips like roses and clover. And tell him that his lonesome night's over. Sandman, I'm so alone. Don't have nobody to call my own. Please turn on your magic beam. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Good evening, everybody. We finally made it online. <laughs> Welcome to Knox Mente. Stop making so much noise. Tonight's guest, everyone knows him as Rakshamoose. That's all I know him by, too. Since this is like an impromptu show, <laughs> I've got no intro, so but you guys all know him and love him. He's Raksham. Wait, wait. Now you can talk. So the funniest thing about this is I've been wanting to get Moose on for a while and we booked out so far that he wasn't able to commit that far into the future and the universe brought us all together this evening. Hello, Moose. Hello. <laughs> this is most excellent. So let's let's just Moose get right company. into it. Right. Moose and company, yes, yes. You'll probably hear intermittent um, warblings of ancestors and other. A shaman brings one's ancestors. Always. Mm -hmm. Makes me want to start looking for EVPs in there. Oh, that Feel would free. be fun. Feel free. Just be careful. Um, you might not hear what you you want to hear you may hear what you need to hear but not always what you want to hear the civilian truth <laughs> so as a as a um as we start this conversation and journey on how you uh, na navigate the dream landscape both in this world and in other altered states we like to get an idea of the world that you grew up in could you give us a little walkthrough sure um i am going to be 35 this month which makes me a virgo um depending on the reports i was two to four weeks late so i could have been a leo oh, oh. <clears throat> um if that brings a little perspective in I can see the Leo in you. <laughs> <laughs> meow. Uh, meow. Um, I was brought up in a, a severely dysfunctional military um, household. My mother was a Marine. Um, her first three husbands were Marines. Her fourth was a corporate man. Um, I did most of my growing up in Southern California. I was born in Southern California, 
we moved around all over the United States. Um, it was about the cusp of my teenage years that we moved to the Midwest and where I've spent most of my adulthood. Um, I have pretty much run the gamut of religious experiences focused mainly on Christianity. I was a pastor um, licensed. I could marry and bury, um, as it were, uh, for over a decade. And uh, I, I had to walk away from the construct that is the, the formalized brick and mortar church. And a lot of my friends around the time referred to me as the born-again pagan as I went back to my more native roots and picked up the shamanistic path. And now I carry on the torch for the uh, shaman tradition. Um, so that's kind of a moose in a nutshell if one can be squeezed in one. <laughs> Excellent. So did you, you were in the, um, when, this is this is just exploring the landscape you grew up in. So was, when you think of nature at its biggest around you, was that open plains? Was it forest? Nature for me was always interesting growing up in the concrete jungle. Um, I would always try to find pockets of forest preserves. So it was, it was often um, any kind of protected forestry. Um, I would, I would be drawn to places that would have creeks, water flowing through it. Um, any type of of land that had reservoirs of water. Um, any place where earth and water met. Oh, nice. Um, of course, growing up in Southern California, uh, a lot of that time, I was never that far away from the ocean. So, um, of course, the the sand, um, which is a mixture of, of animals, um, past and present, um, and, and water itself, life. Um, and then the, the rocky terrain and exploring um, the little alcoves and, and hidden pools that are left when the tide uh, recedes. Um, so a little, a little mixture of greenery, um, a lot of water. Um, and as much earth as possible, um, getting away again from the concrete jungle. I love this. Um, I just wanted to pause on the, what do they call those? The tidal pools when the mm -hmm. water goes out. There's always just a world of magic, a small ecosystem in those. And, um, yeah, that's that's a wonderful symbol to have swimming around in in your underpinnings. So we'll see how that goes deeper as we go deeper. 
Do you, and of course you do not have to, you know this, everyone knows this. If you're not wanting to answer a question, then just we'll move on. But there is a nice tie-in with psychedelic drugs as far as opening gates of consciousness and mm -hmm. altered dimensions, altered states of consciousness. Have you ever done them? And what is what was the best experience if you had? Um, oh, I have, I have to, uh, yes, I have done them. <clears throat> um, and the best is, is kind of, uh, subjective and objective. Um, I would have to say the quote unquote best was my first time, um, doing LSD in my friend's, uh, room. I, I was spending the night, so any time that I could um, not be at home as a teenager was um, brilliant enough on its own. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and his father um, helped create a lot of the characters for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. So if you could kind of picture the setup of the environment of the house and the 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 nature of um and so um between the lsd and uh, some herbal inhalants um <laughs> it's okay um Her we mercury <laughs> oh mercury's out of retrograde so i can't blame that um i'll just pause for a second just just to see there she is welcome back um so we decided that we were going to start with uh fear and loathing in las vegas and by the time the trip started was when the movie started to get really trippy and we followed that up with the animated version of the Lord of the Rings that came out in the early seventies, I believe. The, the Ralph Bakshi um, one. I had, what was that? The Ralph Bakshi version. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. The trippy one. Yes, the trippy one. Um, and about halfway through that, um, my friend, who's three hundred and fifty so pounds. Um, I, I'm I'm experiencing all of this for the first time, so I'm just kind of taking it all in and sitting pretty motionless. And he stands up and takes off all of his clothes and opens a can of cream soda, calling it holy water, and starts pouring it all over himself and starts screaming at the poster on his wall of the wizard that is not going to eat his eyeballs. And his, his father comes in, he knocks on the door, and he, he walks into the room, and he says, are, are you two boys all right? And I look at, at his father, and I say, yeah, I think I, I got this covered. And he says, all right, keep it down. Some of us have to go to work in the morning. Um, and so uh, I, I tried to, to settle my friend down, and I don't I don't re really remember what I did to the poster to uh, – quell the the wizard um from being such an antagonist but 
my, my friend eventually settled soaked in cream soda, um, which I had to explain um, later that next night why he was still sticky from that. Um, so that was that was probably you know the first one's kind of follow your always your best unless it's not. Um, one of my favorite um, was right as the, the the trip was kicking in the hardest. It started raining as we were in, out in an open field, and um, from what I understand, most people cannot handle um, tripping on acid, at least in rain. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Um, for me, it was very cleansing and very purifying. And I thoroughly enjoyed the experience of, of everything just washing away. And um, as, as everybody else that I'm with is trying to run and scream and, you know, they're melting and um, reacting the uh, green witch of the Wizard of Oz. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm I'm standing there and I'm I'm kind of just dancing around in in the rain and I, I obviously tripping balls. Um, Did you get the impression but, it was um, washing away the negativities of the trip of, or whatever was clinging from the before? You know, not necessarily the trip, but yes, it, 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 for me it was very much a, a cleansing. It was a washing away of the the accumulation of things that have built up um, the purification of the, the negative energies that people had put um, up on, you know, put on me. Um, and for me, it was a way of nature reclaiming the purity of her children. Mm. And so it was odd to me to watch everybody else run away as if it was, uh, as if the rain was caustic to them. Did you, can you hear me now? Yes. Excellent. In, in any of these experiences, um, in your travels through hallucinogens, whatever they be, did you ever get a sense of bilocality or separation from your body? Were you able to detach at all? I'm dissociative by nature. Okay. Um, and that, that actually one of my diagnoses is dissociative identity disorder, oh. um, which has developed, you know, more and more as um, they've kind of gone through the gamut of diagnoses and they finally landed on uh, DID. Um, and so dissociation has always been a part, a natural part of, of what I do. Um, so it, it Trip uh, on hallucinogens, tripping, whatever or not. Um, I I tend to have um, 
disassociative events or um, that that kind of elevated seeing things from an above perspective or um, a detached removed from perspective and for me it's one of my strengths excellent yeah so you you took you work this to your benefit do you uh, yes. has any of these experiences ever as you know now at this point um the experience of dreaming and lucidity and all that that they'll get in later but has any of that ever felt through uh, hallucinogens like there was a a tie-in or tie-over into that kind of dream time experience? Um, can, you can you rephrase that? Was there anything that seems similar in these altered states of consciousness to dreaming or lucidity, dreaming lucid or... Okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, for sure there there are some things that um when i was younger um before i had quote expanded my horizons um through the use of any kind of pharmaceuticals or other um that i can i can distinctly remember um whether it be entities or specific spaces, realms, places, whatever we want to call them, um, tactile feelings, smells, um, the whole gamut, that once I started to get into the, the expanding of the mind, um, a lot of those places seemed at least in echoes um very familiar um i've never had a bad trip and that's, that's that's fantastic check Chuck, Chuck, and one, gone dark, gone dark, check, 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 check. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Something went wrong. I don't know. That's why I wanted to stop you. I don't know what happens if people start saying, we can't hear you.
What's going on? Okay, I gotta redo this. Yeti. Sorry, I was muted. Yeti. Check, check. Say something. No. What the fuck? I know. I have... Okay, it's me. It's gonna stay on oh, that could little. be it. I think I got it now. I think, <laughs> think I got it now. This is some final tap stuff. See, I went over there. I should. Know. All right. How about now? <laughs> Testic Testicle. Uh, Testicle difficulties, definitely. I'm glad we're all pros. <laughs> <laughs> all right i don't know what now? the hell happened moving? i'm sorry we yeah gas? we're good you're all good i'm sorry so just pick so, up on the last question the last well, follow-up yeah, we'll tie it in so back to so we're talking about altered states of consciousness here and we we're moving through some hallucinogens and then since you had mentioned you'd never had a bad trip as they say which is remarkable by the way i i feel like this is the spot where we move into nightmares or night terrors and um dig in there and you were just speaking about a pre-9-11 experience could you continue on there most right i was i was explaining that i I never had night terrors and I've, I've had bad dreams, but as, as I started to grow up, I realized that those bad dreams were essentially visions or premonitions of things to come. And you asked for an example. And uh, one of the most prominent ones I can bring up was a week before 9-11, I had a dream um, of two tall generals, mighty generals. Mm. Um, and one was hit, um, and then the other was hit, and um, they both fell down and caused, um, as, as they landed, um, the dust that emanated from it spread war. And it was a, a pretty extensive dream that I had written down. And I had gone, at that time I was living in a Christian community of about 500 people. And that, that um, service before, um, so it was about a, a little over a week before 9-11, um, I had gone in um, to the church service and I had told people what my dream was and at that time um, I was kind of written off as the weird kid um, if you can imagine that <laughs> and then when 9-11 hit um, and a lot of us were gathered in front of the TV and um, I had walked in just as the second plane hit um, into the, the second building. 
And then when the buildings fell, um, the first thing I did was I tore up my draft card and I said that this, this is going to spread war. And I was, I was very soon um, asked to leave the community um, because they thought I was practicing some kind of occultism or witchcraft or, you know, and it was just simply dreams that I was having. Um, and you immediately associated the images of watching the towers fall with that, that dream you were, you had had prior. Yes, because there was, there was um, a part of that dream where I was in my um, 10th grade geometry class and someone took a rock and hit a pentagon shape and a chunk of it, um, a chunk of the chalkboard fell off. Oh, wow. Of the, the pentagon. And um, <clears throat> and again, I, I had, I, I was called into the leadership um, office, basically, uh, the leadership circle, um, when I had started sharing what I was seeing. Um, and I had um, pictures drawn out of some of the things that I was seeing. And so once the leadership had realized that I had seen this just a little over a week before it had happened, um, some of it very directly and some of it in metaphor, um, again, they, they were not too keen on having someone in-house that could see these kind of things. Um, I knew a, a couple months before Katrina hit, um, and it, it doesn't, it does, it's not always big, these big grand um, national or international level things. Um, sometimes it's, you know, I know my friend's cat's going to die, mm -hmm. um, or I know that um, if we're not careful, something is going to get lost, and if it's lost, I know that it's going to be in this place because that's where it was in my dream. So they feel more like almost like, well, what they in the hoodoo community, they call it dreaming true. And, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, it kind of falls into premonition. Do, so the, the one on 9-11, what about that was a nightmare? So when you were having it, it actually was terrifying? Yes. Um, part, of, part of the reason that was so terrifying for me is um, I was being pulled from scene to scene by my core. Mm. Um, and I, I don't particularly like um, when I feel like other things are in control and yanking me. Yes. Um, as I've gotten older and I've gotten more accustomed to the way that things work in the dreaming, as I call it, um, I have a little bit more control and it's a little more um, consensual. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but when I was younger, it was more, this is what you need to see. Um, and so we are going to take you to these things. And so like when the two generals, I mean, they were towering, they were, they were like skyscrapers. So as they're falling and I'm standing on the ground, it's like a skyscraper is falling towards me, um, that would be terrifying for, I, I would assume, just about anyone. Absolutely. Um, 
and as as the the dust um, is spreading, um, I was seeing the horses of war. Mm. Um, so again, it's another very visceral am- image. Um, and I was, uh, what, um, 19, just about to turn 20 when this happened. So uh, a little a little chicken, a little tiny baby moose chicken. <laughs> um, not very well versed in a lot of the control, the, the inner self-control and the grounding um, and centering that I have now. Um, so when you have when you have experiences now moving forward with with the nightmares or things that make you feel out of control or uneasy, um, what what do you do? How do you approach those in dream time when things are on that edge? Um, <clears throat> well, there's normally a series of, of questions that I ask. Um, and it, it's, you know, who are you? It, it really is um, trying to gather the information of uh, who, who are you, who do you represent, why are you here, what's the purpose of why you're showing me this, um, and then what is my role? Um, and based on those factors, um, if I can determine that it is of good intent, then you know I, I allow myself to proceed through the different layers and the different, you know, uh, going deep, a deep mm-hmm. dive into it. If, however, I can determine that it is um, something that's trying to uh, basically, for lack of better words, fuck with me, mm-hmm. um, I I pull myself out of it. Um, essentially, I wake myself up. I'm getting a distinct image as you speak of this, of of that whole descent of Inanna moving through gates. It's very... Um, it seems very astute of you to mm. navigate in this way. I, I have to, because there have been times where I have gotten stuck and people have had to pull me out. Well, can um, you explain that? Go into that. Sure. Um, there have been times where I've gone into very deep levels. And again, I call it the dreaming. Um, and... I, I pull a little bit from the Aboriginal. Yes. Um, the dreaming. Yes, love it. Dream time. Um, and uh, that's I kind of see that's where all all knowledge and wisdom, past, present, future is contained, um, and it's pretty much where time is happening all at once. The real, the real deal, um, and. Um, without having the knowledge and understanding that I have now, um, 
not everything that you encounter there is going to be your friend. Um, and not everything that you meet in there wants to stay in there. Um, and so I had essentially been pulled by my core into deeper levels of the dreaming. And um, luckily I was at a place where there were other, what I call powerhouses. Um, and nobody could wake me up. Um, and they tried quite a bit of, of, uh, <laughs> of things to, to wake me up, um, including pain. And, and these powerhouses I, are in the dreamscape. Uh, no, these, these were um, actual physical people. Oh, okay. Um, that were trying to wake me up because I was non-responsive. I mean, I was alive. Um, I was I was showing sense of life, um, but they could tell that something had had basically pulled me under, and I was not coming back. Um, and so they had to, um, again, for lack of better words, reach reach in and pull me out. Interesting. This is. This is, it, it, it almost sounds a little bit terrifying. It, it is, and it, it's something that I learned to do, which has been helpful because um, my husband Squirrel um, has quote unquote night terrors, but I recognize that as he falls a little too deep into the dreaming and I pull him out. Oh, that's excellent. Um, do you dream together? Sometimes also? we, sometimes we do. Um, I got, but he'll, you know, when you were, when you said you were getting pulled, um, I forgot how you, how you put it. You were being pulled from scene to scene mm -hmm. from your core. Mm -hmm. That reminded me of one of the early scenes in the mo that new movie, Dr. Strange that just came out. Did you see that? I have. Yes. Do you know when, um, the guru, pushes him out of his body and he goes on a little trip to scene after oh, yeah. scene after yeah. scene. Yeah. I just I've had that imagery hit my head when you were talking about it. That's all. It was a comment, not a question. Um, I'll touch base on that in a, in a second. Um, but as far as being, you know, terrifying, um, there are times where I've been in a live stream or I'll be, uh, taking a session with someone from the community that, you know, wants to walk through the healing journey or, and I'll say, hold on a second, I'll be right back. Or I'm taking a potty break. What I'm actually doing is I can sense that something is a foul, um, or something's not right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will go to the bedroom and squirrel's been stuck and, I'll have to pull him out of the dreaming and he he'll sit up screaming because oh, that's he's, a night terror. That's a terror. Yeah. Because he's been, he's been stuck and he's been trying to scream for help. But what, yes, that's classic for me. What separates it though, is the knowledge or understanding or vision that he has while he's stuck. And every single time it comes to pass. Oh, 
and it, are they so because it's so it, you know I, i'm gonna, I I'm hate, gonna interrupt you right now oh, Jerry, yes uh suzanne just brought up an interesting point that her daughter said her pediatrician asked if uh, her, her daughter was having night terrors and that it's a common thing now oh that's interesting her daughter's her i've, I've heard that yeah i've heard that and and that for me that comes with the um the, the, the sorry um a, a lot of bursts of awakenings that have been happening a lot of dormant people that have particular gift sets um that have not been identified or noticed because we live in a individualistic society versus a communal community society. Uh, if you look at um, shamanistic cultures, um, a shaman will recognize an upcoming shaman or someone that has a particular gift, um, uh, for lack of a better word, again, um, and they will help nurture and develop that gift. There are a lot of dreamers that have been <laughs> asleep and now they're waking up um, and they don't quite know how to interact or interface with the dreaming. And so the prevalence, the rise of the night terror is going to be very common as people are getting trapped in their own gift. I, I enjoy that perspective deeply because it is it is getting trapped. That's the sense that I've always had with it. And you can't control it. You can't mo move anything, no motor skills. And you're screaming and yet you, you're you not physically screaming until you get past the veil a little that people mm -hmm. on the outside can hear. And so I, it's I can't a, a help but gift. think the uh, 5G stuff's going to act as a container around that to keep it in. Yes, well, that's going to be interesting to watch play out. There's There's been things in play systematically to tamper down the natural giftedness of the human throughout the ages. And we can even look in the past century, whether it's the, the water, um, fluoride is a huge thing, our food source genetically modifying it to the point where we're stripping out all the nutrients in it to make it grow faster and larger and look more appealing. But yet we have rows and rows and rows of nutritional supplements that will sell, um, which aren't under any kind of regulation. Um, the air we breathe <clears throat> is uh, toxic as fuck. Um, and then we have now two plus generations that have been raised on you know, antidepressants, antipsychotics, stimulants like Ritalin. Um, and you know any type of aberrant behavior is being tampered because we can't allow a society that could potentially develop into quote being extra 
that would be too hard think... to control and corral. But there's, I mean, Most, there's a larger is... agenda to that too. Of course. Yeah. I feel like it's a call to. I cannot recall who it might. It may have been Aaron, Rufus Cat. I think there's a call to hone our psychic skills, skills our um, telepathic skills, joining together in altered states of consciousness. Since all of this kind of psychic warfare is happening via our food and air and water. And um, I'm wondering, do you, and so getting back to you communicating with Squirrel, your husband in dreams. So I, I wanted to touch on that while we were still there before we got too far away from it mm -hmm. and the, your interactions with him in the dreamscape and um, how that plays out. Give us a sense of it. Um, well, a lot of that really, as much as as I would like to to stick in the dream world in that conversation, a lot of that really does take play in the physical, tangible, awakened space. Um, it it really starts with the the deep connection, um, and not putting up walls between the individuals. Um, once you start putting up walls, once you start having severe breakdowns in communication, once you start um, hyper-analyzing what people are saying because they might be double-speaking, um, it, it's very difficult to have that kind of connection on the um, subconscious or dreaming layer. Um, so for us, it's it's very natural to sit here and have a whole conversation without saying a word. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's um, happening everywhere all the time. Mm -hmm. And and so that that translates into how we can communicate in the dreaming, um, and not the other way around. So, and and I I'm just. I know that you must have this great connection. You married this man and you have, you must have just knowing you, you know, this must be a rich, deep relationship. So with all that, I, I want to understand a little bit more about how you encounter each other in the dreaming, or if you don't want to go into specifically squirrel, maybe other people, how, how that plays out. I want to get a, a I want, paint pictures, mental pictures for us of how you encounter others in the dreamscape? Well, there are those that take up, uh, for example, an animal as a spirit totem. And so for me, obviously, it's a moose. For him, obviously, it's a squirrel. <clears throat> um, that helps, at least for us, um, translate a little bit into um, the, um, oh, I'm having one of those moments, <laughs> the, the metaphorical world of the dream. Yes. So a lot of times when we're going on our walkabouts in the dreaming, it is a moose and a squirrel. I love that so much 
um, and there is a, a a recognition, you know, that's that's my squirrel versus um, just a random squirrel in a, in, in a field or a forest or, or whatever. Um, and and he can also recognize, oh, that that's moose, because <laughs> there's very uh, moosey qualities even in the dreaming. Um, with other people that don't take on animal totems, um, there are specific things, characteristics about them that they take on, and even if they're not in their um, their physical body translated into the dreaming. Mm-hmm. Um, if they do take on another form, um, the metaform, um, there is um, that connection, that tether that you have in the physical world that you carry into the dreaming world. And so it, it's never like, we both decide, okay, we're going to sleep now, and I'll see you when when we get there. Um, it's you know we we have very uh, jaunted sleep schedules. Um, so he might be asleep for several hours, and then I might decide to take an hour nap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, once I get there, um, depending on if there's a mission or if there's a purpose, if we're seeking something, or if we just want to relax and get away from the pressures of how um, ridiculous the world is, um, and we'd like maybe uh, hope or whatever space we'd like to create. Um, or realize the potential for. Um, we we get there um, normally one before the other, and we start working on preparing for the other one. And once the other one gets there, uh, again, because there is that that tether or that soul tie in our our case, um, there's that that moment of acknowledgement. Um, now there have been times where <clears throat> um, like I've been there and a false presence has tried to mimic. Mimic moose. I mean, mimic squirrel. Mimic squirrel. See that. Yep, we're having we're having more glitches. Oh no! I didn't. I wasn't touching anything. (laughs) Wait, some people can hear. Mm Mhm. It could just be an. It's YouTube. I know what. It's a YouTube night. So, okay. You guys can talk. Right? I'm sorry. So, Moose, in this, you you led right into the space I wanted to head, which was 
so you've created which and this is all rather romantic i've got to tell you i get the chills i love your relationship with your husband it just feels so solid um so in this space when when you encounter another being that is sometimes will mimic squirrel or just is kind of not friendly to your endeavors how do you recognize that? And upon recognizing that, does it change your state of awareness within the dream? I'm someone that has been labeled hypervigilant since I was little. Um, so I tend to notice very small details or changes to details in lifetime uh, very quickly. Um, and so if there is someone that is uh, attempting to mimic a, a false squirrel um, or any kind of presence that um, is trying to lead us um, to a false narrative or some kind of uh, fuckery, mm -hmm. um, I tend to pick up on that very quickly. Um, and sometimes I'll allow it for a little bit just to see what um, what is at play, what uh, deceptions are coming. Um, but for the most part, I tend to, to, to not even go down that road because you don't know where you're being led into. Um, and what doors are going to close behind you. Mm. And so <clears throat> um, there's a reason that I've, I've been given the mantle moose since very, very little. Um, if you look at a moose in nature, they're pretty chill. They'll, they'll stand there, they'll eat their grass. Um, but if you get too close, you're going to get a hoof to the face. Oh yeah, they're quite terrifying. <laughs> and then, you know, but then they'll just go back to being chill and they'll just munch on their grass and everything's all cute. Yeah, they're actually majestic, I think. They're quite amazing animals. I agree. Um, <clears throat> so that's, that's pretty much how I handle it is if I'm not um, in it to observe the fuckery, um, it's a pretty swift, solid reaction and um, back to normal order of business. So before we move further into the dreamscape, I wanted to, since you're the first um, guest we've had on that speaks in a, in a more shamanistic language of totems, which I um, adore and love and vibe with do you in this day-to-day -day mundane dream that we're having see people as their totems or as animals um i i do for some people um normally when i do it's because they've already chosen to take on traits of a particular animal that they they find a kinship or a relationship to or that they've identified with but they haven't fully embraced the mantle mm -hmm. 
um, there are other people that I see the clear connection and depending on if it's my place, if I have a rightful authority to, I might give someone the mantle um, or help guide them to understanding what an animal totem is. Yes. Um, but there are too many people that run around in a, a wrong authority, a corrupted authority or no authority at all. And just willy nilly do whatever they think that they can do. Um, and that there's a lot of broken shit because of that. Um, and then there's some people that, that really don't have a connection to um, our earthen mother and yes. the beasts that dwell um, within, on, and above. So um, for those, I, I, that it doesn't really come up. So I hope that answered your question. It does. And it, 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 on a, on a, on a symbolic level, it's a very empowering thing as I know, you know, this, um, to associate with something that is you, but not you as you are here. So an animal totem, for example, I, I've always been quite owlish and, um, that plays into our unconscious. And when we get down into those waters, there is a sense of shifting that happens because of the activation of a symbol. So I am a, you are a moose, you are a man, you are a moose, you are whatever. You are a moose, you are a hare, you know? And, and so eventually we have a shifting of consciousness. And um, so that I'm deeply fascinated with where that can take you. So when you speak of you go in and you're moose and squirrel, squirrel, this already leads me to the idea that you ex must experience a high level of lucidity. And I'm wondering, do you have a sense of when the lucidity in a dream takes over this deeper, more acute awareness of your environment and of dream time? Or does it just naturally happen like you just walk through a door or put on a new frock? Um. <clears throat> It, there's pretty much once I enter through the veil, um, I'm in my spirit nature. Um, so I, I really don't enter the the dreaming in a a person, you know, a meat suit form. Um, when I enter into the dreaming, I am moose. Um, is that like a high, is that a trigger though for lucidity? Or it's like you just move through and you're moose. And then is it, do you experience higher level dreams and then also lucidity that can lead to the, the full out of body experience or astral projection through, through moose, through the symbol of moose? 
For me, it's not really a tiered system. Oh, it's, walk me through it. It's, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, um, I do what I need to do when I need to do it. And the, oh, I've, I've found very much so the only limits that we have are the limits that we put on ourselves. Absolutely. I so agree with that. Um, and that, that has been um, recently uh, reconfirmed very strongly in my life by a very dear friend of mine. Um, uh, and it came at a time as a reminder, as there was, a, I guess, a shuffling of the deck for me. Um, a lot of things were being questioned. Um, some inner, I guess, inner turmoil, inner struggle. And that um, that phrase uh, was spoken right at, at the right time as, uh, as to not lose my sense of self and self-being. And, um, and so, you know, if, if I need to, to be in the dreaming, I'm in the dreaming. If I need to be present and present, if I need to go check on someone, I'm going to go check on someone. And there's not, there's not really like even um, like a manual um, transmission. There's not really a shifting of gears. Um, so you just change consciousness at will. Just yeah. That's that's excellent. That's, um, that's excellent. It, there's also a, a, a multitasked aspect where um, I can I can do multiple things at the same time. Um, where if I need to access um, aspects of the dreaming while I'm in a session with someone and I need to see what they're doing on their end to make sure that they're not blowing smoke up my ass. Mm -hmm. All of that can happen all at the same time. Um, oh, I love that. Again, you opened up with this timelessness of it all. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that just wraps right back around and that's, that's great. Well, because you know, time, the way we currently experience it is very much a man-made structure. The tick, tick, tick of the linear and this the swirl of the cyclical stuck, um, that's a, a man-made con concept so we can understand the concept. But time is period. And it's happening all at once, all on top of itself. Um, How do you see with time, with time? Since this this is a um, this is a so in the I'm with you. I'm 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 with you. I'm also trying to get uh, scratch at this a little more with the way that we in this reality that we're experiencing i'm a baby i'm a you know adolescent i'm an adult and i'm an old person how does that construct play out through uh 
this this picture you're painting for us as a shaman moving through these layers how can you make how can you explain that to me uh it, it, simply we know children that um are old souls that are wise beyond their years let's say and we know um elders as in uh, people of re refined age um, mm -hmm. that um, are not uh, sitting in their rightful seat in their eldership because they have not matured past, you know, six years old. Mm -hmm. What about the illusion of, of aging then? <clears throat> the illusion of aging um that's that is an interesting one but if you look again um there are people that go through the process of of time again the only limits are the limits we put on ourselves so we put on the construct of the tick 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 linear so that is a limit we put on yes. ourselves <laughs> We literally wear it. <laughs> we literally wear that con construct. I, I, I'm just yes. completely reminded of a movie I recently saw. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's called Wonder. It's a new Wonder Woman movie. Yes. And within the first 20 minutes or so, she encounters a a man, a man for the first time. And he's got a watch. And she's like, what's a man? The, what's that? <laughs> a man. Why is a man? A man. <laughs> She says, what's girl, that? Girl, I say girl. <laughs> and he says, it's, it's, it's a watch. And he's explaining. It tells me when to wake up, when to go to work, when to eat. And she goes, you let that little thing run your life? And she goes, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a really interesting take. I mean, there's so many things like that in the movie. I don't want to get off track. But that's but rather profound. I mean, it, that's it is, literally yeah. questioning that construct. Yeah. But if, if we look at it, that, again, just... If we th think of the word con, struct. Yes, it's. I know. I love the breaking of the words. And breaking I'm. I'm all, all about words mean things. Mm -hmm. It's called spell, spelling for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if we look at, if we put swords, swords together in between the two swords, swords, it's word, word. Two, uh, three S's, and if you put the three S's together, it makes a very intriguing symbol. Um, but it's spell swords. Um, and I, I did a recent volume on this um, to, to very interesting um, reviews. Uh, the people that get it, get it, and the people that don't, don't and that's perfectly fine um the people that get it really get it um but if we look there are there are people that you know are in their 40s 50s 60s that look as youthful as they did in their 20s yes oh yeah absolutely um there are certain cultures that seem to not age until they hit like 60 
and then it's like time steals all of that back and they age overnight. Um, and the cultures buy into this, this thought that they'll retain their beauty until a certain um, time stamp <laughs> in their um, yearly passport. And then it's like uh, time takes what it's owed. Um, I'm, I'm not going to. It's gonna... like a sigil in a, in a strange way. Yes. Yes. The cracking of one of, the, you know, the sigil or the, the cakes, the, all of that. I want to move into, I, so I, what I want to get now is I want, I would like your interpretation of what it is that is dreaming or astral projection and how is that different from what we're doing now and whereas you have been telling us this you've walked us through this path so far and i think we're getting a sense of of what you're saying can you can you further elaborate between the differences what's happening moose what what is all this <laughs> that just a, a will and grace karen moment sweetie sweetie what what is all this? What, what's going on? <laughs> um, okay, so to kind of break that, uh, hold on. Have a good night, hon. Bye. Bye, squirrel. <laughs> My squirrel friend's going to work. Um, okay, so to, that, that was kind of a multifaceted question, so I'm going to try to uh, eat the elephant uh, one bite at a time. Um, okay, so the difference between dreaming, the dreaming, astral projection, what is going on with all of it, and kind of what are what's what are we seeing? What, what's yeah? Going what's on? the difference between all of that and this? Okay, so. Dreams have kind of always been there. Um, and in one way or another, they pop up through history um, as um, ways to interpret um, the subconscious. Uh, it's a way of our subconscious telling us things that we've not been able to process um, through our waking conscious mind. And for many, because of one reason or another, they, they don't know themselves enough, they haven't processed through their own shit, um, they're not awakened, um, they're blind to certain aspects of their culture or society, pride, we can go on and on. They've had to call upon wise men to help interpret the dreams. Um, so that's just one example of what a dream could be. Um, 
another example of what a dream could be is just simply our mind filling up the space of of sleep time um, as our our brain is restoring and neural networks and grooves are are connecting or reconnecting um, being redistributed a lot of neural activity is happening and so as as those sparks are happening uh, illumination is happening um, we get very vibrant images and sounds that sometimes coalesce into what we would consider a dream and those are the kind that i look at um, that we don't remember within 15 minutes of waking up okay yes um so then we start getting into the the lucid dreaming the you know i'm gonna go in i'm gonna kind of be the director of this movie mm -hmm. um that comes from um as we're probably more aware uh that comes from a lot of practice and that comes from a lot of um self-control being self-aware um again knowing thyself mm -hmm. which in the previous category th there's a lack of that or um a, a less potent version of that so <clears throat> the the more lucid dreaming comes as someone is waking up or is awakened and has more control of the the realities um, of the subconscious mind and can go in and start uh, building um, instead of um, and this is something that Madwiz and I have had conversation on on, on several occasions um uh instead of being a consumer we become producers yes um and so the lucid dreamer is uh, evolving from the consumer to the producer um we also see that the lucid dreamer um is uh, reaching more of the top of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, so obviously they're not uh, dying and struggling of the basic necessities. Um, we're gonna find that, um, again, it, it's more of the self-aware, self-awakened, um, that kind of thing. And when we start getting into the astral projection, that is the full control and full knowing of the self. And when I say that, I mean the people that have really mastered astral projection. Um, the ability to detach and uh, are completely unentangled um, from the physical, meat suit um, and the spirit and are able to still be tethered to the meat suit 
but project their spirit to where they need to go. Um, this takes a lot of stamina. It takes a lot of willpower. It takes um, a lot of grounding and centering because while someone is projecting, they run the risk of someone else coming in and saying, oh, an empty husk or shell. Maybe I can sit in that throne for a while. Oh, yeah. And this is one of the things that I, I warn people um, that, that become my students is if this is an area that you want to try to master or even practice in, um, you run the risk of uh, basically a hostile takeover. Um, so make sure that you have someone watching out for you, make sure that you have cleaned your house, that you don't have any open doors, um, and that you're overall in balance of mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. This is what some people refer to as walk-ins, whether it's hostile or not. Um, well, walk-ins, um, that is an agreed upon contractual, uh, you know, um, thing. Um, I, I have two walk-ins myself. Um, that you have contracts with. Yes. Are they, are, they, um, are they permanently attached or, I mean. Yeah, this was, this was before I was um, physically birthed. So Any, people that are. Do you have a from, recollection of this? Mm -hmm, I, yes. What do you mean walk-in? They can take, uh, take the front seat anytime people, or when you allow them to that at any time, I mean, throughout your whole life or just during a certain period? People that are familiar with me know that I refer to Asher and John. Those are my two walk-ins, and we work in a triune. Um, we work in... Uh, the best way that I can explain it is it's like riding in a, in a bus. Uh, you're not always the driver. But depending on where you're sitting in the bus is what you can see and hear and experience. Um, as, analogy. as far as Asher and John, they're in the front two seats unless they're driving and then I take one of the, their seats. Um, who's driving now? Moose, for lack of, you know, my, my, my truest self. Um, and each, each one kind of has their their reason for being here. So um, I look at it like Asher is the rock. Um, he's very much no bullshit, no games. Um, let's get this shit done. And John, which is spelled capital J, lowercase a dash, lowercase a, lowercase n, um, John. Um, but we just say John because it's easier. Um, 
he's more like the kite that's up in the spirit realm most of the time. Um, he's very peaceful. A lot of times when he's presenting, um, people will um, basically turn to mush um, because he's, he's very um, calming and very, um, he's kind of like the hippie. <laughs> Um, where Asher is more like the warrior. Um, and then I would consider myself being the rope that is attached to the kite and tethered to the rock. Oh, okay. this is very good. Very good. And that symbol there. That's how we work in a triune. Um, that is painted beautifully. So, how, so, then moving this into the what we're considering the now because here we are now talking and everything else unless you're moving through through these layers consciously at will is seems kind of dust like so the now what is this experience we're having right now moose and how is it how is it is there something about the immediacy of right now that seems more real is it is is this just part of the an illusion that we're tying on to ourselves or participating in um i could answer that a few different a few different ways based on a few different perspectives um i think that it that with everything that's happened the last month and things that are about to be birthed this month, there is an urgency. Um, I also think it's interesting that uh, a spot just happened to open up <laughs> um, tonight. Yes. Um, <laughs> for your, uh, as I'm as I'm called, your uh, your friendly neighborhood, purple haired, chain smoking Barbie. Synchronicity, just unbelievable. Um, we have to realize that pretty much every generation has had their emergency hand on the button. Everything is now, 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 immediacy moment. Um, pretty much every generation has had their this is the end times, here are the reasons why, everything's going to, to go to shit, um, prepare for, for the end of the world. Um, but what I will say is there's something about this particular cycle, this particular linked chain of events that feels very much different. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling it. Um, and I'm not one to particularly be ruled by my feelings, but I do take note of them. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can be guided by them, but, but we're, we're not to be controlled or ruled by our, our feelings, our emotions. Um, that's a pearl of wisdom, no matter what state of consciousness you're in. Yes. 
um, I, I, I believe, and I make, this is the distinctions that I make for those that are, are not used to, to hearing me. I make the, the distinction between I believe, I know, I think, and I feel. And I believe that part of what is happening right now <clears throat> is that on a global scale, we are connected in so many varying ways that we have not been previously. And so things that have happened in the past that would have uh, sounded the alarm at a great scale hadn't reached as many people, whereas now they are. Um, we're also at a, a point in our society where the, the scales have been tipped in a way where, honestly, people have not been raised in a proper way. So for an, for an example, um, people have been taught to go forward based on their feelings and their emotions and to be grounded in their feelings. Um, this is why we have a society of highly triggerable people. Because we have a society of highly triggerable people, every wave of something negative becomes something exponentially worse than if we had a society that was grounded and centered in facts, logic, reason, and then guided by some sort in that emotional core. Are those things not part of this, the webbing of the illusion that's holding us into this this nowness that seems to be somehow trapped within a kernel or an idea of time in a linear sense. Because here we are, you know, it's, it's, well, I'm looking at the clock, it's eight o'clock. There's a sense of like maybe food in the future or, you know, this nowness, the gravity that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. What is, what, what is that? I don't feel like you got to that. Maybe I'm not particularly understanding. Well, I'm trying to, so the whole concept I'm, I'm looking at interlacing is states of consciousness. So when we, we've moved through all these different states of consciousness and in, in um, layers of dream through lucidity and then astral projection and and then in intense form too so past tense future tense and so i'm trying i i guess what one of my quests is how is this that we're having right now this conversation this nowness that we're experiencing uh, this communion if you will how is this how does this seem so much more tangible than anything else around it in the past or the future? 
Um, well, uh, I guess the baseline is that we are here as a collective experiencing this communion. So because we are actually going through it, it's it's going to have the more gravity. Um, whereas so say I, I suddenly fall off and have some sort of maybe like a coronary attack or something and I leave. And so then you're, you're stuck on the other end with Jerry and all that, but I'm not here in the same state of consciousness. And yet, you know, like I'm trying to understand what's the give, where are the veils? How, how do I hold this together? Obviously if that happened to you, your, your, um, experience your your needs your immediacy is going to change yes definitely <laughs> I, mean, I i definitely don't want that to happen but I, in pondering like how how that would change my nowness would i continue on and this is all speculative but would i would i still be like for example when i drop out my mic drops out and i'm talking and i still hear you but i can't you're not hearing me Mm-hmm. What, what is that an analogy for these different states of consciousness? Your nowness now has somehow switched over frequency from mine. Yes, in, in a way, um, it, we would still kind of wonder what was going on with you. Um, but as as the saying goes, the show must go on. Yes. Oh, indeed. Um, and. It, it can kind of be tied to history because you have a history of dropping in and out. <laughs> we would, we would kind of um, have that history where we would just go, okay, she, she dropped out. She'll probably be back. Um, as history repeats itself. Um, and so it being tethered to this, again, that tick, 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 that linear construct. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the cyclical, the stuck of the patterning. Um, obviously, your your um, experience of <laughs> the the linear and the cyclical would dramatically change um, to the degree that you would fall out of sync with somebody else's experiencing. But it's possible I wouldn't be aware of it. It's possible um, uh, until you did become aware of it. And And so that's like an epiphany, a light bulb. Yes, yes. And and that's, I guess, kind of the biggest thing is um, how often are we not aware of something until we become aware of it? Absolutely. And it's, it's in these cliches um, and I, I'm, I'm a big advocate for we need to start re-examining our cliches mm-hmm. because at once they were words of power, yes. words that held held actual power. Um, but once people um, recognized the power or weight that these words held, they became part of the uh, mass vernacular and were overused and became trite. Right, worn out, literally worn out. De- depleted the battery of the power. Um, 
Then they also become they become rote, and in that way, <clears throat> they still get energy, but it's kind of I don't want to say inverted, but could be co-opted more easily. Yes, yes, um, and that's why people like me and and a few other people that I'm aware of, and probably quite a few other people that I'm not aware of, are going back and re-examining these these power words or power phrases and. Um, Again, words mean things, and and spell and spelling and spells words. Um, people that understand the fundamental dynamics of of words and the power of speaking are looking, going back and looking at these these words, um, and seeing if there is any juice left. Um, to start uh, shifting the the global consciousness uh, back into a healthy mode, a, a mode of healing instead of um, maiming and destroying and killing and everything that that it, it seems or appears that the world is hell-bent on doing. But how and much yet, of that is really us doing that? Yes, I mean, that's that's a deeper deeper discussion, and probably not apropos for this. But well, I, that's you know where I, mean. I was going, Jerry. Oh, okay. Well, then, never mind. When when you say uh, when you say us, define us. What did I say? Uh, how many of us are doing it? Oh, humans. Is it <laughs> real people? <laughs> or yeah. Is it? Um. I was my point was there aren't it's not the people doing it it's the construct doing it. I would agree and disagree. I would say that that it does take a certain amount of people to start a movement, and once that movement picks up enough momentum, the snowball effect does take hold. Um. And then it takes a life of its own. And this is possibly where uh, we can we can involve uh, AI to a degree. Um, but people had to breathe life into the construct. Uh, if, if we look at even um, a golem, for an example. Oh my God, Jinx. I mean, you, I was literally projecting that at you. <laughs> and that was another aspect of the Wonder Woman. Movie, I'm, a, by the I'm way. a power bottom, honey. I'm a great catcher. Oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> Get sloppy now. The power baby. bottom show. <laughs> so the Gollum. I mean, that's, I mean, that's literally right where we were, that's where we are. Mm -hmm. And, and after, you know, at what point does the golem kill its master? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have to, we have to make a decision um, whether we're going to make a conscious decision to to speak life in all things and in all things life, or if we're going to continue to feed 
into the thing that will bring the destruction of all things. Um, and I say that with the understanding, um, and to show a, a little bit of how much of a geek I am, this has all happened before and this will all happen again. Battlestar Galactica. Mm -hmm. So um, I say this with, with the understanding that this is not new. Um, this cycle that we're in is, is not unique to our civilization, our cultures, our societies. Um, this is not a new thing, a new problem that we've been presented with. Um, I see it as something that we as a people have been confronted with time and time again. And until we quote unquote pass the test, so on with that, and I want to, I want to wrap up this section, this, this conversation, open, do the open questions to the, to the chat. What is, so in that, all of this, how, if we were to look at this construct, this nowness that we've just been painting and as tied into Gollum or AI into artifice, all of this, what if this is a dream or if we view it as a dream, how do we go about getting greater consciousness, greater lucidity? How do we actually astral project from here? This is all a dream. We are all agreeing that we're dreaming. Now, how do we gain control and raise this bitch up? For me, the focus has been um, and it, it really doesn't matter if it's it's been my work through the Christian church, if it's been my work through the shamanistic path, if it's been um, even as a small child, um, the question of why are we always trying to focus on someone else's um, nasty, stinky shit when we have plenty of our own stinky shit? Yeah, that whole business thing, your business, my business. Right. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and that's a, and, a lot of that is projection, too. Yeah, yes. it's absolutely tied into that web. And so if we're if we do acknowledge that we're all dreaming. Um, and if you know, if I could if I could say that, you know, I'm in a field. And it's raining or whatever. Um, is there anything in my field that I need to clean up? Is there anything in my, my meadow that needs trimming or that needs tending to? Can we put that into like the nowness? So I'm sitting in my parlor and I could apply that to myself. Is there anything I need to clean up? And girl, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these floors um, so, so it, right to but to bring it to here and now and and out of out of the ethers are we being good stewards of what we as individuals have so that we can be good stewards of that which is around us i.e the community i.e 
the environment. I in it, it it has to start inward so that it can exude outward. Yeah, I I feel that myself deeply. That whole and with the whole Christian thing too, it, you know, this little light of mine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've always thought that was a powerful, just that 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 line alone. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's mm -hmm. pretty significant. I don't care where it comes from. That that's a powerful thought. Mind control. <laughs> but it's an in it, this little light of mine. It focuses your intent on self, and then I'm going to let it shine. Pushes that idea of yourself out into that which is around you and the whole point of it is illumination and yes. do i read that wrong not at all no it, it, <laughs> i've i've talked about um illumination for a long while now yeah it, for me illumination is for some reason it's also got a it's you know got a seedy dirty side to it because it's tied into the luciferian stuff which then got tied into you know it, it's a rubber band ball and in the end i if you strip it down to what it is what it means and how it can apply you can apply it as as a as a soul on a journey as a person walking down a path as is you in your life it, it is, it, it's literally the act of looking, being able to see. And even, even right there, what you said, you know, it has all these bad connotations and it's tied to this. It, it, it only has that because other people have attached other. So if, if, you know, people just mind their own fucking business. That business and, thing again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, just just mind their own garden. Tend to their own shit. Mm -hmm. Then they wouldn't have to be concerned or worried about what connotations bringing light has. Illuminating has. Which is that gnosis thing, know thyself. It's yes. it's literally tied into that, and the rest is as as our as our Radagast says, fuckery. Yes. <laughs> Let's open up questions from the chat. I don't. I'm not looking because I didn't want to drop out. <laughs> it's like if I focus away from your image, Moose, I'm going to drop out. So I'm <laughs> transfixed on the beautiful pink hair. My gem and the holograms look. I love it. It's because it's looking right at me. So I'm getting a connection with it. Awesome. And then, so Jerry's manning it. I have no idea. I've put out the call. When you hear the call from the land below, it <laughs> sounds both strange and familiar. <laughs> oh, man. There are no this, questions yet, just comments. I think they're having well, a, they're having a huge discussion amongst themselves. So, well, I'd like to point out one of the comments is "Know thyself and nothing in excess," both from the Oracle. That is from our lovely 
Radagast. I, I think he was quoting you. Oh, is it the chicken or the egg situation? The moose or the wizard situation? No, I had called moose the oracle earlier. I, that's how I took it, at least. Well, I I loved this thing. I love that the universe brought this conversation to happen. Is I have been wanting to get you worked in. I every time I am in a chat and I see you, I ask you. I've been. It's just been something I on my agenda. And so, as it were, as it is, you are here. And this has been a fascinating uh, journey with you, Moose. Thank you. You're welcome. I do see a question, and uh, the Oracle of Delphi was the reference ah, okay. from Radagast. So the question, what does being a twin spirit mean to you? Um, I'm going to go out on a ledge and um, ask, uh, what does two-spirit mean to me? Um, twin, that twin, spirit. twin spirit. Well, twin spirit, two-spirit. The actual the technical term is two spirit, um, and that's why I'm I'm making the clarification. Um, so that is from part of my Native American heritage, the Ojibwe. Um, it is when one individual person embodies both male and female spirit. And in the culture, they were regarded as someone that was in a sense, um, holy. Um, and as as Radagast points out, it would be um, in the H uh, W-H-O-L-E, whole, instead of H-O-L, E, having a hole, um, uh, because they they would have uh, both perspectives um, and the divine wisdom from the divine feminine and the divine masculine. Um, but for me, what does it mean particularly for me? Exactly that. Um, and to expound, being both male and female brained, to be able to see things from both a feminine perspective and a masculine perspective. Um, in the the originating cultures, um, they would um, normally be put in an elevated position. Um, which nowadays they they look at someone that identifies as a, a two-spirit um, and we're kind of lumped into um, a lot of the the, the negative left, leftist agenda stuff. And I, I tend to stay out of a lot of that. Um, but it, it, it essentially is someone that sees the entire spectrum and has the wisdom, the clarity, and the knowledge to, um, to weigh things out, 
and the patience to um, to judge situations as they come up. Um, this was very helpful um, in the native cultures um, at the time when um, she went into chat, <laughs> got kicked out again. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we look at Native American history um, and the church arrived and these people were looked at as absolute savages and no connection to God or the Holy Spirit, we look at actually how advanced um, and lib liberated their thinking was. Um, uh, that just, it, it kind of hits a, a, a painful spot for me. Um, what a mission um, to, to spread a, a message of hope and love and freedom did to, um, to two continents and then some, um, but specifically to, to my, my heritage, um, all in the name of, of, of spreading love. Um, yeah, that's what I guess to say. So I have, we, I, I try to get around to um, this very important quite one of my questions that I have usually in my outline. And I see people in the chat really wanted that to happen. So if you have a little more time, I'd, sure. I'd like to do that. So where do you experience deja vus? And when you do, are they what's the experience like do you get pulled into tell tell us about your deja vus okay to to answer that question i would have to understand what the collective definition of deja vu is because i find that different groups and different groupings have different um, variations of the definition of deja vu well, when you think of deja vu, what is your definition of it? Let's start there. Okay. Um, my definition of deja vu is when you experience something, it is as if it is echoing through time and you, you've already been there, you've already done it. Um, but this is... Um, instead of an echo diminishing, um, the echo has gotten stronger. So it's like an echo imprint. And when they happen for you, what's the sensation usually? Does it tie into a specific a set of imagery, a specific experience, a dream? A, what, what happens for you in your deja vus as you just explain from your, where you're coming from with them? Uh, when I experience deja vus, uh, 
generally what happens depending on the, the severity or uh, relative importance of the deja vu, um, I'll get that um, free falling feeling in my core. Mm -hmm. um, I'll get a very intense um, ringing or high pitched in my left ear. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and then in my right, it's almost like a whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> Sounds like you're time traveling. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and for a couple seconds, I'm uh, my balance is a little off. Um, right after the event happened, um, but while that's happening, it, it's it's what generally is called a download. So something um, that that happens, I get all of that, and then I have a clarity as to why that experience felt like a quote unquote deja vu. There's a reason why I feel like I've experienced this before. There's a purpose why I already have experienced or have gone through or lived this before. Do you have any examples? Um, I'll, I'll give a really basic Betty um, okay. example, because not everything has to be, like I said, cataclysmic or right. huge. Um, we're standing at uh, the table, uh, our, our dining room table, and Scarlett just said something. Um, I don't even remember what he said. Um, and I, I had that experience, and I knew that something was gonna fall off the table. And right as it was about to fall off the table, I reached my hand out just instinctively, and I, I caught um, I don't even, it was something we had just bought um, to put on our shelf. And it was like this little, you know, knickknack tchotchke. Mm -hmm. um, and if I wouldn't have put my hand out, it would have dropped and it would have broke. Um, and as I held out my hand to catch it, um, I'm having a simultaneous memory of it dropping and breaking. Oh, nice. So even after I'm out of the deja vu, it it's still there's still an echo that that happens. You know, like it it happened, but now I did something different. Yes, yeah, I, it is like I, an I, acuteness to it. Right, like um, I broke the cycle. And again, this goes back to how we go through cycles until we learn the lesson. And once we learn the lesson or change the thing, it slingshots us out of the, the, the cycle. Mm -hmm. And then we start into a new cycle. So, so you're looking at a deja vu as um, second chance or another chance as well? As, essentially, yes. Mm -hmm. Do you have reoccurring dreams? Um, I did when I was younger, uh, in my early 20s, um, and they were not pleasant. Oh. Um, one of them was, 
um, I, I would just appear into this very red, ashy, um, barren landscape and then um, basically volcanoes would, would start appearing out of the ground and um, instead of magma, it was molten blood. Oh, wow. Um, would start erupting and it wouldn't touch the land that I was on as I was right near the blood volcanoes, but I was seeing where it was, um, and I could see far enough um, to the lands that it was landing on. And I was hearing the screaming and the crying and the, the destruction. Um, but the actual place that I was standing on um, where everything was erupting from was not, you know, I was not being harmed. Um, and this went on for years. And it was, it was always the same place. With, always, with... always the same place, always the same dream. Oh. Um, and it was almost every night. Oh, wow. Um, as a matter of fact, the, the church that I was going to at the time tried to do several deliverances on me because they thought it was demonic. And I kept trying to tell them, no, this is, this is trying to, to tell me something. Girl, pump the brake. What is a, <laughs> what, what is a deliverance? Oh, my goodness. What is this? Um, when they try to exercise the demons. <gasps> I've never heard of it. I don't know much about any of this, so it's new. I got an earful from Rufus Cat. On that on that conversation that was very interesting. So a deliverance is basically a Christian exorcism. Oh my goodness. So and has that happened to you? Did you get a deliverance? Oh the, the church has tried been trying to deliver me for years. Oh my girl. I, I'm <laughs> kind of taken back by this. I told them it would much just much easier to just get me takeout. <laughs> so when you were so you would come with some information like this like this reoccurring dream and they would see that as something that needed to be exercised out of you yeah yeah oh my um there was that sounds traumatizing most uh yeah i actually had to go through healing um from working in the church um from the trauma that I incurred from being a pastor for over 10 years. I it, This is interesting because Aaron really brought some of this to the table too, that this, you know, it, interesting. All I wanna say is it's synchronistically interesting. So I'm sorry to interrupt that, just I needed to know what a deliverance was. Like, no, that's, no, it's, oh. and you know how, um, maybe you don't, but how the church uses anointing oil yeah, more like that. I think of the Catholics with that. There was one time they were trying to um, do a deliverance on me and nobody had um, anointing oil. So this crazy bitch goes into her kitchen and gets out um, a can of Pam and <laughs> sprays me in the forehead oh with God. some Pam. Oh, girl. Oh, my God. And I was just like... <laughs> I would ask for the mashed potatoes. <laughs> like, can we have some French fries or tater tots? Oh my goodness! 
And there was absolutely no way that I could take any of these people seriously. There's something folkish about that that I could see. You know, when we see, when we when we start talking about the wonderful world of hoodoo and <laughs> how they pull in some of that stuff, that's very you know, I love the folkish stuff. So I could see I could see that, and there's certainly anointing oils in in hoodoo, um, and so I, I just don't know. It, maybe they're coming from that kind of space, you know. I think they were just coming from a um, low rent <laughs> <laughs> deliverance on a dime, Girl. trying That's to get it. their own television show. Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, that is, I'm yeah. I, wow. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, how that is traumatizing though. You come forward with a reoccurring dream that is got some very alarming symbols going on and and then and then it's almost like you get punished for it. Mhm. Mm okay. And you know to to kind of break it down what I ended up surmising after having this for years and years and years is um is that there there's essentially a core group of people that are working to spread um death and destruction throughout the world. And once it starts, those people are going to have a, a land um, dedicated to their own survival, where they're going to be set apart or away from, um, but still be able to observe and witness the destruction that they've brought upon the rest of us. And this was before a this lot. And this is organized? Yeah. And keep in mind, this was um, about, and this started 15 years ago. So this was before, um, and this was right on the cusp before 9-11 happened. This was um, before the NSA was created. This was before, you know, the, the financial collapse. This was before um, a lot of the new things, uh, the new systems that have been put in place. But these um, are, we're talking about these, your church people. Or are you talking, yeah. okay, I wanted to, I guess I'm trying to ground it in. I'm hearing it sound like it's from the your church. Oh, I, I was telling, uh, well, I told my church about what I saw, but they were not a part of me understanding what I had been seeing for years and years. Cause after they tried to, to pan me in the face, um, <laughs> I wasn't, oh my goodness. <laughs> if you want to see demons come out of someone, Ooh, you know, hey. spray some greasy shit in their face <laughs> after they've completely, you know, geished up for the day. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. The image is hilarious. <laughs> I don't think there are any more questions. Don't see any more. Okay. All right. Well, so, uh, we will. In the we will, Yeah, we'll wrap up now. Um, and I'll say my goodbye first. Thank you, Moose, so much. I am glad the universe tied this in so that we could have this conversation. On a full Thank moon. Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> On a full moon. It's so synchronistic and beautiful. And I believe we just left Mercury retrograde as well. I'd have to look. I don't know. Isn't that terrible? But yeah, I mean, we're at least close, if nothing else. 
Well, that's that's it. We're we're done. Thank you so much, Raksha, for joining us and on short notice. And thank you everyone for sticking around with us during that long, dark night of the soul half hour. And thank we'll you, you for thank you for being gracious hosts and allowing me to slide in at the last moment. We love when you slide and, in. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and many blessings and much love to everyone from the Moose Lodge and Clan Moose. All right. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you, chat. Bye.